Ako po si Marius for Vox Podcast and I'm with uh, my co-host. This is JR. Alright, so today we have a special episode on uh, the commemoration of EDSA or the EDSA Revolution. Ang EDSA Revolution po ay nananatiling parang keystone event sa kasaysayan ng Pilipinas. Uh, ilang generation na ang nagre-retail kumbaga ng kwento ng EDSA at kung paano nito supposedly pinalaya ang Pilipinas mula sa isang diktador. However, through the years, uh, sabihin na natin na mireus at minisius ang kwento ng EDSA. At yun ang gusto natin bigyan ng pansin sa episode ngayong gabi dahil ano ba talaga ang significance o halaga ng EDSA at Siguro, we will try to get as close as possible to what we can consider true about the EDSA revolution. Uh, with a more critical mindset. Uh, we're not neutral. We we don't want to be neutral. Kasi to be neutral when talking about EDSA is to immediately side with the powers that be. So, we definitely don't want to do that. So, tonight, we have uh, several uh, guests Uh, with us who will provide the uh, key insights tungkol sa EDSA and what's happening around the EDSA revolution prior and after to the actual revolution, right? Kasi ang revolution, hindi naman siya nangyayari sa, sa loob ng isang araw o sa loob ng isang linggo. Ang revolution ay proseso at siguro ang pinaka-snapshot lang nung buong revolution ay kung ano yung naganap dun sa 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 EDSA mismo which is which was a critical accumulation of people pero prior to that may mga events na that lead that led to the EDSA revolution so we have with us tonight uh Carl Suyat a uh, member of the CGP and also uh, an active writer of uh, Vox Populi PH and uh, Mr. Tofi Peralta who will provide the uh, key insights about how the EDSA narrative uh, flowed and fluctuated within uh, the community specifically from the viewpoint of religious practice. So, mamaya mapapag-usapan po natin yan. And of course, uh, your main course, me and JR, will be chiming in from time to time to provide our insights. Right? So, I'm going to call our resident expert on the EDSA revolution, the one and only, Mr. Carl Suyet. Please, uh, Carl, the floor is yours. <laughs> Resident expert. <laughs> I was not even. I was not even in EDSA, no. <laughs> okay, so good evening. Uh, good evening, everyone. No. Uh, well, it's 35 years, no. It's 35 years since the People Power Uprising had happened, and well, marami nang nangyari in between, ano, from 20, from 1986 to 2021. And it's pretty ironic and at the same time symbolic, no, that we celebrate EDSA's 35th anniversary on the cu- on the cusp of another, well, another dictator, no, the the one who claims to emulate Ferdinand Marcos, no, si Duterte. And siguro uh maghalagang balikan hindi lang yung kwento per se na no February 22 there was the coup and then February 23 on oh, the night of February 22 there was the call on Radio Veritas I mean uh, siguro mas mahalagang balikan in a larger context kung paano ba nangyari yung EDSA no kasi uh, 
in this time, at this point in time, meron ng mga, you know, critical, uh, let me call it, crit- mga critical interrogation into Edsa's story, no, na, uh, syempre, uh, in basic textbook history, no, we only know, we only, we can only get to know Edsa from the viewpoint of, for example, Cory Aquino, or Juan Ponce Enrile, the architect of martial law, who turned this back on Marcos uh, during that crucial time, no? Uh, now, nag-go-glo- may nag-go-gloss na mahalagang parte ng storya, no? And I think mahalagang balikan, kahit papano, no? Kung bakit ba nang hi- uh, ba nagkaroon ng EDSA in the first place? Uh, lalo na itong conditions na ito that gave birth to people power are the same conditions that we face now, no? Uh, so, for for siguro for youngsters no for youngsters like myself who may not be familiar with the story of EDSA EDSA did not start on February 25 22 to 25 1986 no EDSA did not start with the assassination of Nino Aquino no uh, EDSA started way way back no in as early as 1970 no uh, during what we now know, what historians now call as the first quarter storm. So, dun palang sa time na yon during the, what, second term, no, second term palang ng Marcos regime, uh, constitutional term, ano na, nandun na yung people power, no, because, uh, yung social crisis, the social crisis that, uh, that was plaguing the Philippines even during the before and especially during the time of Marcos was already worsening in its feet no uh, as early as 1970 no so yung issues na alam natin o pinag-uusapan natin ngayon ano siya sobrang laganap niya nung 1970 corruption uh, well violations of human rights no uh, yung yung laban ng farmers for land yung laban ng workers for livable wages and regular jobs, uh, yung fight against ano uh, foreign intervention no, uh, wala pang China dati, nag-iisa pa lang ang uh, America dati, especially nung may basis pa sila sa Subic and Clark no, uh, so ito mga issues na to na well naririnig natin ulit na, ririnig pa rin natin ngayon no, so ano na siya, lumaganap na siya during the Marcos time and yun yung nagbigay kumbaga ng conditions no for the eventual ouster of Marcos no ah uh, syempre implicit na doon given na doon yung attempts no uh, like we see now no to rewrite the constitution and extend the term of Marcos no uh, although the 1971 constitutional commission rejected any maneuver from Marcos to you know to extend this term and all that ah uh, wala na siyang choice uh, he created uh, this is this uh, this is a historian's term. No, he created the revolutionary conditions uh, to to justify emergency rule. No, at ito ngayon nangyari noong September 23, 1972, the mar- the declaration of martial law. And I guess ev- almost everyone is familiar with with the story of martial law, the human rights violations, the the corrupt, the plunder. The, the colossal plunder of the coffers of the of the nation, yung intervention no ng 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 foreign powers, yung poverty, yung chronic in social inequities no da, na nakikita na natin ngayon, uh, sumipa siya pataas no especially 
uh, especially during martial law, no? And malala yung repression noon, no? Malala yung repression noon. Uh, ngayon, at our time, in EDSA's 35th anniversary, walang ABS-CBN, no? For example, syempre, wala rin ABS-CBN ng martial law. Almost all media were controlled by Marcos and his cronies. Um, bawal, bawal ang exercise of civil political liberties, no? Bawal magrali, bawal magsulat, bawal magsaltagin sa dictator, which we now also see with the impending implementation of the anti-terrorism law of Duterte or anti-terror law for that matter. So, ito yung mga conditions, no? Ito yung mga hindi, you know, yung, these are the stories that are being glossed over, no? Uh, during the martial law. And of course, uh, dahil sa sobrang kahirapan, sa sobrang panunupil and all that by the dictatorship, uh, lumakas yung ano, yung movement, no? Lumakas yung movement to 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 change Philippine society, to radically change Philippine society. So, na ito na yung Moro Rebellion and of course, the long-standing communist insurgency na uh, sinasabi ni nila Duterte nila Antonio Parlado Jr na ano uh, concoction lang daw no yung mga pinagsasabi nila pero actually wala pang EDSA no andiyan na yung NPA nandiyan na yung armed struggle no at dahil nga walang space for democratic walang walang avenue for democratic ex, uh, expression walang space for democracy at that time yung armed struggle yung naging kanlungan ng mga gustong lumaban sa diktadura. And then of course, uh, lumala nang lumala yung crisis, lumala nang lumala, lumaki nang lumaki yung utang and yung pagnanakaw, human rights violations became rampant, no? Thousands in their thousands, thousands of killings, thousands of torture cases, thousands of disappeared, no? And etong movement na ito and this number of kumbaga victims of the dictatorship included cultural workers, included writers, included journalists, no? Hindi lang yung mga radikal, hindi lang yung mga aktivista, but even writers, even you know, uh, members of the cultural community who who chose to defy the Marcos dictatorship, no? And of course, the basic sectors of society, the farmers, the indigenous people, the workers and all that. And then as the new decade uh, unfolded, the 1980s, and the, ayun na, um, there was, of course, Ninoy's assassination, uh, the, the, yung catalyst, no, for the shift of public opinion against Marcos in full, in full display, no? Nandito na rin yung, hindi na lang yung mga kaliwa, so to speak, or yung mga, um, mga dissenters yung lumalaban sa Marcos dictatorship but it included businessmen no mga kapitalista sa Ayala Avenue uh, yung members of the moderate opposition talagang na-radicalize sila yung and even sections of the military no at sobrang lakas na ng opposition to Marcos at this time na he was forced by the United by no less than the United States to hold an election to to see if he still holds the mandate of the people and then that became the snap elections of 1986 and then dayaan nagkaroon ng dayaan malawakang dayaan uh, use of terror to score a win for Marcos um, vote buying and all that and then no less than the 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 
the Catholic Bishops Conference of the Philippines condemned the snap elections and called it an assumption of authority through fraudulent means which has no moral basis in a pastoral statement and then a few days after auspiciously 35 years after on the same day that the Supreme Court said Bongbong Marcos lost the 2016 elections on February 16, 1986 and January rally, yung rally sa where Cory Aquino called for the boycott, no? The boycott of Marcos Cronis of businesses held by Marcos Cronis, Jario, San Miguel, uh, which was then held by Danding Kowanko, no? At marami pang iba, marami pang corpor- mga pitong corporation yun, eh, no? And then, uh, exactly a week after that, ayun na, uh, naglabas na ng ano si Enrile si Ramos ng kanilang breakaway no and Cardinal Singh called upon the people to gather to EDSA and that became the what we now know the EDSA People Power Uprising no kahit doon sa malit na timeline na yun no makikita natin na hindi lang siya nangyari ng putok sa buho ano uh, it is important that 35 years after EDSA I think we have to commemorate it in a way na parang labas tayo dun sa great men and women quote-unquote who gave EDSA who gave the people the victory at EDSA no? so ako ang una kong sasabihin would be hindi mangyayari ang EDSA kung hindi nag-unite no, yung different forces hindi lang political forces but social forces no? iba-ibang mga puwersa iba-ibang kulay iba-ibang persuasions no who was who was united in the call to end the Marcos dictatorship from the extreme left to the extreme right from business from the capitalist class hanggang sa working class from from artists and cultural workers to members of the press no nung nagbuklod-buklod na tong mga puwersa na ito in different ways na to, to signal the end of the Marcos dictatorship yan yung nagbigay nung EDSA as we know it. it no, hindi single-handedly nangyari ang EDSA because of Enrile or because of Cory or because of Nino Aquino for that matter. Iba-ibang puwersa, iba-ibang kondisyon sa lipunan yung nagluwal dun sa pag-aaklas na tinatawag natin ngayon na EDSA. And I think, integral to sa ano ngayon, integral to sa ating discussions ngayon, uh, primarily because these conditions continue to you know, to rear their ugly heads in Philippine in our society today, in Philippine society as, at this time, even after a little over three decades. Sana mabigyan natin ng emphasis yung papel na ginampanan ng mga puwersa na ito at saka ng mga tao, ng tao mismo, ng taong bayan mismo na nagbuklod noong sa EDSA noong 1986. I think for me, that that's the fitting commemoration that we can have for people power. Uh, at this time. So let me chime in um, quickly, uh, Maris and Carl, right? So gusto ko yung sinabi ni Carl na especially during like historical discussions like this, we tend, or people tend to reduce everything to figureheads. So tama yung sinabi ni, ni Carl na, you know, EDSA is not just about Carly, um, it's not just about Enrique or even um, Nino, ba? So, it's uh, it's about everyone who basically um, really formed together to kick out the dictator. 
So having said that, no, Carl, uh, you mentioned earlier na may role yung cultural workers, which um, I think Marius will discuss later. Your role ng writers into um well in, in what happened to Edsa, and then your role din ng church basically in um what happened to Edsa. I think we can go to our other posts. Um, so Tofi, can you share with us? Um, basically, um, or can you give us more insight to what the church's role was um, in making EDSA happen? So I think nabanggit naman ni Carl yung um, the main person of the church who was really instrumental to EDSA was really obviously Cardinal Sin. This is the reason why Cardinal Sin will always be the most powerful, most prolific Archbishop of Manila throughout history. Um, his role in EDSA in calling the people in Radio Veritas. Um, but if if you just look at it that way, yun lang yun, um, it would just be that the Cardinal just acknowledged Enrile and Ramos as friends of the Church who wanted to stand with the Church in its um, stand for moral principles. But Um, on the background of it, there's this story of the, the, the good cardinal said he asked um, all of the all of the nuns in the Archdiocese of Manila, the poor clares of uh, Katipunan and the Carmelites of Agilmore to pray. It's very for for people in the inside of the church. Ang treatment nam- na namin to EDSA is it's really the work of the church. It would always be a different point of view dun sa mga naririnig natin on most things. Kasi people will always tend to say that it's a political action. But as always, the church will always have its, its say on a different point of view. Na we did our best to make it as uh, as prayerful as possible. So, at the end of it, we think na we we helped win EDSA from the prayers of the nuns, uh, the power of the voice of Cardinal Sin, and as well as the influence of popular piety among people. The big, one of the biggest symbols of EDSA Uh, was the coming of uh, the the image of Our Lady of the Holy Rosary from Santo Domingo from the Dominicans and really bringing the pilgrim image of Our Lady of Fatima dun sa stage sa taas. And these are images that most stories do not see, do not tell of because they're, they're straying away from from the religiosity of the fact. Pero, um, I think it's important because for for Catholics, at least for practicing Catholics, um, EDSA is a work of prayer and a work of coming together of the people. Yan lang. Right, so, the EDSA narrative is definitely one of the more gargantuan uh, narratives in Philippine history. You can't study Philippine history in any shape or form without coming across what happened at EDSA. 
And to summarize lang what my uh, what our two other hosts said. Uh, basically, it was several years in the making. It began when the country was mired in crisis. Uh, all revolutions actually nagsisimula sa crisis sa pag-ekonomiya and yung sakit na yan na corruption, uh, ineptness ng gobyerno, it has uh, it has a deep effect on different uh, institutions including the church, uh, the educational system, of course. Tapos may effect rin yun lagi sa sistema ng production ng panitikan. Alright. So, nabanggit kanina na ang mga cultural workers at mga manunulat, meron din silang role na ginampanan sa, sa revolution. It's easy to say na ang mga writer ay you know, parang we occupy a, a very important role sa mga, sa mga revolution na reform. Uh, apart from just physical presence, ano, I think one of the biggest jobs ng mga nagsusulat, lalo sa panahon ng uh, disaster o sakuna o prolonged na paghihirap tulad ng pagkakaroon ng Delta Regment ni Duterte, ay tayo ang nagmamarga ng kasaysayan sa pinaka-honest na paraan. Dahil ang panitikan na sinusulat without the pressure of cultural institutions ay yun, doon lang talaga siya mapunta toward being truthful kung ano nangyari sa panahon na yan. And to prove my point, ano, uh, uh, if anyone would go to, to UP Press, I, I believe uh, this book is still uh, in print. Try to pick up uh, Sigwa, isang antologiya ng maigling kwento. It was first published in 1972 and uh, it's actually a, a pretty good collection of stories that tackled no everything that happened uh, within within the period that contributed to the Edsa Revolution. Ano? So, some examples of authors who wrote for this anthology are uh, Wilfred Dubertusio, Epifanio San Juan Jr., Domingo Landicho, Ricky Lee. Uh, you know, Ricky Lee writes as Ricky Lee now, but you know, he's actually Ricardo Lee. Uh, Norma Milliflor, etc. So, they were they were younger, of course, in the 1970s. But if you read the stories in this uh, short story collection, makikita nyo na very emphasized yung role ng institutions sa lipunang Pilipino. Uh, yung mga landowners, yung mga land, yung mga may-ari ng ekta-ektarya ng mga plantasyon. Eh, sila yung laging mga kalaban ng mamamayan. Lagi rin kalaban ng mamamayan ng mga polis, yan. And, uh, curiously enough, ano, the role of religion nung panahon na nagkakaroon na ng unrest sa Pilipinas, hindi siya completely <clears throat> kumbaga in the light. So, when you read the stories in Sigwa, in this anthology, there's a sense na uh, somehow the church was also partly responsible for the conditions, for the prevailing conditions. At kung aaralin natin from a sociological point of view, uh, may mga compromises lagi among institutions with power in order to stay in power, of course. And, and we saw many of these compromises dissolve as we approached yung 
uh, yung yung snapshot kumbaga yung snapshot day nung its revolution alright so what else madalas mababanggit sa its narrative yung you know it's, it's always mentioned na merong mosquito presses why was the mosquito press so necessary uh, nung panahon na one it was necessary for progressive forces uh, to distribute information because any war uh, requires uh, information the distribution of information is actually uh, a tactical and assault, a tactical move and an assault on the enemy so without the mosquito presses nung dumagsak ng mga malaking presses there had to be a way still to you know to encourage people to speak out and so while it's not exactly the kind of writing na uh, you know it's, it's not all poetry and fiction and essays uh, mahal, mahalaga rin yung kind of writing na lumabas mula sa mga mosquito presses and, and of course during during the martial law it was not so easy to, to publish and print so ito we call this kind of uh, practice guerrilla printing or guerrilla publishing and it's actually the same model that Vox Populi uses uh, na very uh, self-funded na talagang kung ano lang available na resources that's what you use to print uh, so we're actually taking a leaf of the that's a revolution and what the progressive forces were doing we're applying it to so-called peacetime na hindi naman talaga peacetime so that's it for uh, culture and media during the Edson Revolution. Thanks, Marius. I'm Tofi and Carl. So I think definitely the uh, discussed that with you on um, historicizing political history and doing your those institutions and you know, na tao um, in making EDSA happen. And you know, for me, I find it quite funny because actually, I think all four of us here, even kami dalawa ni, ni uh, Marius, who probably are the most senior in, in Vox, no? Um, we are not even born um, when EDSA happened. So it's funny that, you know, we are able to talk about, you know, these things um, with such depth. But I do have a question, Siguro, for everyone, especially now. Um, you know, that obviously EDSA is happening, uh, or the EDSA Revolution Anniversary is happening there. How relevant is EDSA still nowadays? Alam ko, hindi tayo nabuhay pa ng mga panahon na yun, pero from um, what we remember about that, how relevant is uh, until now, especially with you know with what's happening politically to our country. So perhaps you know, Carl, you can um, let us know what you think. Well, sa akin, it's two things, no. Uh, number one, Ed says still re- or should be relevant now. Still should still be relevant at this time. Because Um. Uh, there were cosmetic, I would call it, call it cosmetic reforms after EDSA, like yung institutionalization of the Bill of Rights in the 1987 Constitution, yung pagbabalik ng Congress, the, the elections, and the free press, and all that. Pero dun sa sinasabi natin conditions kanina that gave rise to people power, human rights, crisis, uh, yung... Basically, yung tunggalian ng powerful and the the gov- the governors and the governed 
continue to this day. Okay. And siya yung nagpatuloy in a sense na the presidents after Marcos continued essentially what he what the president uh, during EDSA. Kasi hanggang ngayon walang pananagutan eh. No? Dun sa sa nangyari nung EDSA. I mean, uh, I mean the Marcoses are back. The Marcoses are back in power. In fact, andun niya sa Heroes Cemetery, nandun sa libingan ng mga bayani, yung the very same dictator, no, for which at sa people power had kicked out of Malacanang, di ba? Um, si Juan Ponce Enrile, for example, uh, yeah, he was, his role was crucial in the four days of February 1986. But let us not forget, yung role niya rin ng martial law was essential in brutalizing the country and institutional institutionalizing the Marcos tyranny. Diba? And now, he's just being immortalized as a meme. No? Forgetting that he was responsible for the thousands of detention, arrests, and even murders during martial law. You know? Marami sa mga general, marami sa mga sundalo na ng abuso during martial law. And not just them, but especially cronies, government officials, um, mga abogado who gave martial law a legal scaffolding, mga huwes, mga justices, and even powerful people within cultural circles, within within institutions no na nakinabang sa Marcos dictatorship they are still scot free they are alive and they are not being punished in fact many administrations many governments after Marcos protected them diba gave them technically a new leaf diba without holding them accountable for the crimes they have done they have done during martial law you know so kailangan relevant pa rin yung EDSA kasi yung justice, yung fight for justice for the victims of the Marcos regime, hindi pa tapos. Diba? Yung asawa na lang ni Ma, yung asawa na lang ng diktador, hindi pa rin nakukulong despite a conviction hanging over her. Diba? So, walang justice. <laughs> Wala tayong nakuhang justice. In fact, I sometimes question the term revolution for EDSA kasi walang nang bago. Essentially, May konting nagbago pero yung kumbaga yung 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 chronic issues of society that marred the country under Marcos continued to mar the country even and especially under Duterte which leads me to the second point EDSA should be still relevant now kasi naulit di nga naulit eh nahigitan no ng current regime yung lagim ng Marcos dictator. Si siguro ang ang alas na lang is that we can still insist on our right to be free, free to speak, free to criticize, free to protest, di ba? Pero nahigitan, no, ng gobyernong ito ng regimeng ito yung lagim ng Marcos dictatorship. You have the killings, the rampant killings happening every single day. The killing of the poor, the killing of workers, the killing of dissenters, the killing of activists. Yung political prisoners, kasing dami na rin nung panahon ni Marcos. Diba? And the lies. Martial law would not have lasted without the lies, without the propaganda machine of Marcos. And what are we seeing now? The fake news. The troll machines. Yung 
yung paggamit ng mga institusyon ng gobyerno para magsinungaling. And of course, pati yung issue sa tinatawag ng mga nasa kaliwa na imperialismo, andiyan pa rin. Nadagdagan pa nga ng isa. Dati US, US lang yung kalaban natin, ngayon nadagdagan pa ng China. Under this government. So, ENSA should be still relevant kasi inaagawan tayo ng kapangyarihan. We are being stripped of our sovereign right to of our right to exercise our sovereignty as a people. And siguro, you know, marami nang marami nang nagsasabi dapat bumaba sa pwesto si Duterte, dapat siyang dapat na mawakasan yung kanyang regimen at dapat silang mapanagot. Pero siguro isa pang aspect ng EDSA na huwag nating kalimutan na dapat maging relevant in our time. Hindi naman mangyayari ang EDSA kung walang pagbubuklod ng iba't ibang kulay at puwersa sa sa lipunan sa politika. No, yun yung sinasabi ko kanina na mula sa mga nagtatag ng Communist Party of the Philippines hanggang sa mga katulad ni Enrile, ni Ramos, they were all represented by the anti-Marcos movement. At siguro, if we want to, you know, put an end to the madness of a regime na, yun nga, nahigitan yung intensity, yung lagim of the Marcos dictatorship, I think we have to go back to that lesson. Hindi naman mangyayari ang EDSA kung hindi nagbuklod, nagkaisa at nakibaka yung mga tao who made the stand once in our history and said enough is enough with dictatorship. So I think for those two reasons alone, dapat relevant pa rin sa atin yung EDSA. Especially for writers and young people like us who never experienced the terror of something like the Marcos Martial Law. Salamat, Carl. No? Again, very insightful yung sinabi mo na obviously, I think we all agree naman na dapat talagang relevant yung EDSA, but you made really good points na a lot of the changes that happened, kung meron man, are, are more cosmetic actually nowadays. Basically, napalitan lang yung figurehead, but we're fighting basically the same battles here. So, perhaps to wrap us up, I want to um, talk to Marius again. No? So, Paiparala lang natin, you already mentioned earlier kung ano yung naging role ng writers specifically and cultural workers um, on what happened to to EDSA. What do you think um, is the current role of writers now sa panahon natin ngayon in relation to EDSA, specifically na malapit na 2022 elections? Ang role lagi ng... Um, writers, uh, media practitioners, journalists, we're all under the same manual. We're all under the same banner, kumbaga, which is uh, expression. Right? So, all that we can actually do as writers is uh, are two things. Set the historical track as always, as truthfully as possible for the next generation. Pangalawa, to change people's minds basically with what we write because it's only uh, at the level of culture that can we that we can affect the beliefs of people and how they actually act on election day for example though I'm not a very big believer of elections it's there it's what we have and siguro it affords us uh, a few a handful of few uh, spaces kumbaga to move or maneuver against power but in the end of course uh, history will determine kung anong form ng revolusyon ang kailangan para sa Pilipinas depende rin yan kasi sa kung ano yung current structure ng bansa alright so going back to 
writers and people like you and me we can only work most effectively within the cultural realm kung saan nagre-reside din yung what we call yung evil eh. the evil that is Marcos Duterte and all these other people yung influence nila they reside at the level of culture and culture is not ano ano uh, it's not like air some people seem to think of culture as air eh. na parang you can touch it eh. diba? you can see it you can touch it na you can only describe it. but the, the reality is culture is practice alright so kung in more theoretical terms it is praxis so those who believe in nationalism and fascism there is a praxis and then those who resist that kind of power meron din praxis question is whose praxis will dominate whose praxis will overcome and what kind of praxis should people adopt? Doon tayo po pasok. Uh, the cultural workers and the writers. Redetermining that track and path for everyone in the nation. And whenever we work, whenever we resist, when a writer produces something that has something to do with resistance and power, the scope of the writer is necessarily national because it addresses the problems within the national scope. That's what I'd like to believe. Because there are no indications that what we write, for example, are only regional or local. Laging na- national yung scope ng ng ating resistance in the realm of culture. And I think that's very important. Because people like uh, Duterte and his coven uh, won't even uh, succeed with what we're doing, with, with, with what they're doing, ano? Kung hindi naniniwala yung mga tao, and if the people aren't doing anything in the first place. Problema lang was, hindi mabilis yung, kumbaga, penetration ng mga makabagong practice. Kasi people fall back on their old beliefs. So, dun pa lang na makikita mo na, it sounds so basic, but at the same time, it's one of the hardest things to accomplish. Eh. You can, you can be so specialized and so knowledgeable and still not know how to convince a single person. Yeah. Yeah, I think very important din itong ginagawa natin. This is our way, right? Um, as cultural workers, this is not technically writing, we're doing podcast, pero isa itong paraan na pag-alaala. Kasi I think it's very important that to be remember, it's not about opening old wounds, but it's about making sure that we remember what happened then and we're, we don't forget. Kaya nga never forget yung yung battle cry, di ba? We won't forget what happened back then. <clears throat> Kasi that's um, one reason why like um, revisionism wins. Is like sabi nga ni Carl, uh, malakas yung halaban, malakas yung propaganda machine. And I think itong isa, even in this digital age, madami tayong pwedeng gawin to make sure that we always um, this, uh, like um, the truth resonates basically especially um tagal na eh, 35 years eh i think padami na talaga um, um eventually dadating yung panahon na yung mga tagalang nabuhay sa panahon nung edsa ay mamamatay na kaya it's up to us um cultural workers i think uh, is nakapatong sa shoulders natin to make sure that what happened then will not be forgotten i think isa yun sa bigger crosses or the bigger burdens that we'll need to to carry until um you know Hopefully, the lessons will be remembered. Anything else, Carl? Do you have anything to add? Oh uh, well, ano? 
Ah, uh, siguro let's siguro for all the right for ano no, all for writers for especially young writers and you know people in media that the time to resist is now no hindi na bukas hindi sa susunod na panahon and bu- ah, bukas but now no and more than that no ah uh, the way to go is to document everything that was the most important role played by the mosquito press eh. they gave faces to the resistance they gave faces to the abuses to the corruption of the marcos dictatorship kaya yung tao when cardinal sil called upon them that sa edsa and you know to finally show up and say enough is enough of mark they were prepared kasi ilang taon na pinabasa yung mr and miss yung yung we, yung malaya yung we forum sa kanayunan yung taliban ng bayan no yung mga underground presses i think the same rule should be taken upon by this generation of writers in a time na katulad martial law ang may ang weapon ang weapon of the tyrant is lie is lying no so so there uh, it's a call i think it's a call on it's a call to arms for all writers and especially people in media now is the time to fight with with our stories and especially with the truth or the truths uh, if i may use the postmodern thought no the truths or the truth that we have on our side no kasi this government like marcos's own tyrannies upon lies so kung nag kung ang if the foundation of this regime is lie is a lie the best weapon strongest weapon actually that we have against tyranny in this time that we commemorate EDSA is the truth and ultimately yung truth na yung will write on the wall that no dictator has ever survived the people's judgment or history's judgment for that matter Maraming salamat Carl uh, sa, sa sa ating mga guests tonight ano uh, Tofi and Carl maraming salamat sa insights niyo This has been a very fruitful discussion about EDSA resistance combat and everything and anything else in between and the message remains clear no for everyone uh, Philippine history specifically does tend to repeat itself very frequently We are so helpless uh, at this point in time because we have forgotten how to resist. And perhaps, despite all the misgivings of the people and the, and all that is missing from the Elsa Revolution, we can still uh, perhaps remember it like a beacon of light. That uh, there is always something fruitful from resistance and revolution. There's always something to gain from fighting power. Uh, from dissenting and from outright denial of power. So, wag po nating kakalimutan na nasa ating mga kamay po ang uh, tunay na kapangyarihan ng mga ng bayan, no? Ng mga tao. At sabi nga ni Carl, uh, ngayon, ngayon ang tamang panahon upang lumaban. And alam na nating lahat actually kung paano. Ngunit tayo lamang ay naghihintay. Maraming salamat po. Ako po si Marius for Vox Podcast. Kasama po ang aking co-host. Ako po si JR. At maraming salamat po at magandang gabi. Magandang gabi po sa lahat. <laughs>